All right, here we go. Dear Games Workshop, I am tired of your terrible business. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, hey, this is Texas the Black Pants Legion here with Mr. Nick. Hi, everybody. And Mr. Mike. Hello. Today... On this very special episode of episodes, not really, but special to us. No, it's no special. It's more special than the last time we said that. Yeah. yeah. Believe it. More special. Demonstrably. Yeah. More special than ever. So we are going to be answering questions from the fan base because um, they keep piling in. So we're, we're going to answer as many of them as we can. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, that one's just a bunch of dragon dildos. I think that's just an ad. It's oh, fine. why are they at, why are they targeting that to you? I, That's weird. Eh, eh. It happens, I yeah. guess. So here's <laughs> here's I'm I'm not gonna talk about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, here's here's our first one from Nick. Well, thank you, Nick. You shouldn't have written. Oh yeah. All right. So <laughs> no. Um, from a gentleman named Nick. Hey, Tex. Hey, Tex and his Legion commanders. This is NB the Ninby here. After listening to your happy cast and hearing you mention Bob Ross and Mr. Rogers, it reminded me of the wholesome trinity and the kind of sort of internet religion abound, uh, built around these two, plus Steve Irwin. Which brings me to my two questions for this email. One, who would you nominate for a saint of wholesomeness? And two, are there any weird internet pseudo-religions that you find fascinating or interesting enough to pay attention to? Hope you all have a great day. Blessed by the neighbor, the painter, and the crocodile hunter. Oh, shit. So, question one. Who would we nominate for a saint of wholesomeness? And are there any weird internet pseudo-religions that you find fascinating or interesting enough to pay attention to? Hmm. God, that's a tough one. I got one. I um, I just mean for like the nomination of, of the patron saint of wholesomeness. Because I mean, like, yeah. you got Steve Irwin. Who who loves pretty much every I, animal? Ever. I got one. I was gonna say Steve MRE, MRE nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, I was just oh, about to say he's also incredibly the, pa- the patron the patron saint of the forgotten food. He's yes. he is too wholesome to acquire foodborne illness. Yeah, well, no, he's he's gotten that a few <laughs> he's, times. He's gotten a little bit. You know, he's uh, he's too wholesome to have been killed by it. Yeah, about he's that. like botulism. Nice. He's like, like, oh look, chocolate dust from nineteen oh one. Yeah, nice. wow. Let's get these out onto a petri dish. Yeah, you can't meet anybody more more wholesome right now. Yeah. I think Steve MRE nineteen eighty nine. I would True. say um, Ross Scott. Ross Scott, yeah. yeah Ross Scott is a f- yeah. is like the loudest, most wholesome person. Yeah, but he's, yeah. he's, he's he will he's, scream in your face, but you're gonna feel like, yeah, you're right, man. I'm sorry. He's, he's very genuine about it. He's like, yeah. why is it like this? It's driving me insane. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, or just a random cut where he goes, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like him a lot. That's pretty funny. I, I would say those two. Probably. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I think so. Yeah. Um, as far as weird internet religions, I do, I'm not saying this to to be a dickhead, but it really smacks me as a religion. Is is like the I'm not talking casual fans. Yeah. But ultra hardcore fans of Star Citizen. That that is a weird weird thing to discuss. Like, like the dude that's in the plague mask. You know, have you seen that video? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. yeah that yeah. like not like you know 
some people in the Legion, like I think Diggs is a oh, star citizen. There's plenty of people. Yeah, in there's the like four foot uh, meme. I think yeah. played a little star. Yeah, yeah. He streams it every now and again. Yeah, yeah. there's, there's plenty of people he's, who enjoy it. Yeah, I, he's got neat yeah, stuff. Yeah, the people who buy in the star citizens are fucking morons. Like, who the <laughs> fuck would buy wow. such an unfinished piece of shit product? I spent way over like four hundred fifty dollars. Oh. <laughs> I spent way more money on that. I like. I actually really like Star Citizen. I just wanted to wake everybody up with that one because yeah. I know they're going to be like, <gasps> and I, I'm like, no, no, no. I, I spent a lot of money on that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put the ball on top of the hill. Mike just wanted to roll it down for everyone. <laughs> Mike is Sisyphus. Yeah, um, so, I, yeah. I did. Yeah, I spent a lot of money on the game. I, I, uh, I see a lot of promise. Uh, not a lot of delivery, but I'm not going to jump onto the bandwagon of hate. I'm also going to jump on the weird, I think that this is probably the best product that's ever never going to happen. I'm not going to do that either. That's just weird. So It is. It I enjoy p- is. The times that I have played what is released, I have enjoyed. Because cool. all of the yeah. times I've played it, we've done weird things like uh, I was a subscriber, the $20 a month subscriber at one point, and they mm. give you a free ship. So I would get these like jets and stuff. And we mm-hmm. just go out onto the deck of the of, of the space station you start at uh, near Crusader, and I uh, we would just buzz the each other while we're sitting. Like, wow, that was fucking awesome! We would just sit down there and do that because we thought that was cool. We think yeah. the sound design and the the uh, level of detail in the game is hilariously out there. Yeah, uh, just don't try to land your ship on any planet because every little rock will fuck you. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> but I mean, there's, there's, as far as internet pseudo religions, yeah. I, there's, and I, I know this is a dead horse at this point, but it, it goes back the to church like church of Zorg. How about let's, let's take a brief segue into the one that we all created. Well, yes and no. I, I already had a podcast where I, I, I talked about Zorg yeah. and, and it's fine details. And I'm going to invite people to go out there and find that and investigate. But it's there's a lot of people who are like 40k fanboys who do the whole god emperor and it's it's an offshoot i think of that whole deus vault new age crusader thing mm, where they're just mm-hmm. like i don't like it heresy and they show the same memes over and over again you get the get the flaming warfare get yeah the bigger flaming yeah, warfare and it's just like okay it, i mean that's funny or was five years ago when I first saw it. It's like that time. It's like whenever somebody tells a one really funny joke and then people repeat it over like a week and then a month and then yeah. a year and then 10 years and the you're kind of like, I get it. The problem is, is <laughs> it's kind of like listening to a comedy from 10 years ago. Yeah. Where someone's like, you might be a redneck if. And you just <laughs> There's go, your sign. Yeah. and, and you Get sit- her done. We're just naming oh, the, the four horsemen of the fucking redneck yeah, no comedy joke. apocalypse. Jesus. And, um, and that's the thing. Is that, that, that's a weird little pseudo religion. I actually like, like those guys too, by the well, way. It's, yeah. it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. Ron White was the only one that actually had a career out of that. The rest of the guys were just tag. No, the rest of them were just taglines. Like but, Ron White's a real comedian. The yeah. rest are just like, I'm gonna go up there and say crazy wackadoodle stuff. Uh, well, that's because Ron White invents new material over the course of his career, whereas Bill Engvall just and Jeff. I mean, they, they, there's not really any. They were really funny at the start of their career. Yes. Yeah. Hysterical. It was new. Yeah, yeah but there's, it, but there's a reason that Ron White to the best of my knowledge, still does comedy and, and yeah. they don't. And there's a reason why he's like on Joe Rogan and stuff. He's yeah. actually in the little seedy clubs coming up with jokes and shit. Yeah. But uh, back to the original... Th- uh, the internet cults, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I do like the uh, reducto ad absurdum uh, yeah. application to some of those things. Like well, yeah, the people that are like, heresy! This I like the little like 
poorly drawn when it's, you know, it's got the book and it says space book says this bad like, yeah and, and that kind of stuff makes me giggle. that's funny because yeah that's, that's an new. evolution of it's, a joke yeah it's it's right. a meme becoming a meme of a meme but when it takes the piss out of itself right which i think well and that's 40, i like a little bit of self-awareness in there 40k has become slowly unintentional self-parody yeah and that, that's kind of what i get at and some people are just like you hate 40k when is 41k coming out uh, right now, and it's not good. Um, so Ouch. next question: forty thousand and one. Oh, w- all right. I got. I got one more. To <laughs> what happened about? to the other thirty nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine? <laughs> what about the in. people who think they're actually Jedi? Oh, that's a good one. Oh yeah, we forgot about that, didn't we? I I always want to say to those people like, why don't you just go be a Buddhist monk? It's like not yeah, that different. It's, I always want like to say that, to them, why don't you pick up that thing over there with the force? Well, not only that, it's it's one of those things where you're like. Oh, you think that Jedi are real? So you're like kind of into Zen Buddhism? Well, that's interesting. A good friend of mine is a Zen monk. And so I'll start like hitting them with cones and stuff. And they don't know how that works because they based a religion off Wikipedia. And, you know, I'm like, okay, that's neat. I mean, I don't care what you believe. Well, okay, I do. But I care more how you think. And it's one of those things of if you love something and you believe it and you throw yourself into it and you're honest and genuine and real about it. Fucking cool. Yeah. I love that. I love that human spirit. of This is just what I'm all about. This is who I want to be. Cool. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. As long as you're not hurting anybody. You True. Know? Um, True. But, have fun. Yeah, have fun. But the problem is, is when people get that and then won't change the subject, but also won't change their opinion. And then they just like beat the shit out of you with it every time you talk. And you're like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I got beat up by so many Jedi when I was a kid. I don't want to talk about it. All right. So let's move it's, on. Is it enough to make someone turn to the dark side? Did they have? Yes, the I bought a gun. They yeah. all fucked off. Nineteen eleven, the one thing that really destroyed the Jedi. Going on the kebab. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> Lord. Next question. Hey Texan Co. First and foremost, you guys have an amazing podcast. Oh why, wow! You've rekindled my love for the medium. Oh, well, thank you, man. The last several episodes have really cemented the chemistry between you all together. My wife now grumbles when I see a new episode because I immediately want to dump the kids off on her and take a long walk to enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, significant other. Sorry, future divorce. Uh, (laughs) For my Battletech question, having just rewatched the clan episode, if you were Ilkhan for the clan invasion and politics meant you couldn't back down or had to invade, which would you do differently? Logistically, tactically, strategically? strategically other than paying your fucking hpg bills obviously finally i love that inric and stratosphere voyage have become leap motif for bad things getting worse intentions being erred lessons being taught i hope they stay that way thanks for your time the masked p so yeah what he's talking about are the two songs we use um in tech stocks battle tech um the the Enric and the Stratosphere Voyage. They're Oh, he's yes. picked up on that? Yes. He's Holy shit. And he's he's picked up on something very deliberate in scoring. Um and for those of you out there who don't know, uh, Mike and I sit down and score these. Yeah. I make the music choice and then Mike hammers them in. So it's it's Yeah, it's we, like, we listen to yeah. stuff together. Tex has a background in music and Yeah. He he uh, knows what fits where. I underst- I in- I also have a background in music, but his is a little more extensive. And in having two people 
kind of fit that one whole composer music guy kind of really helps. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's like neither of us are a whole musician. But I'm, a, I'm like, more in the technicals and he's very much in the conceptual and he gets that way better right. than I do. So, so. so yeah, like, cause when we work together, it's like, I'm the director and you're the editor, you yeah. know, but we both produce and that's yeah. where it like overlaps. Cause we'll go, this is a good idea. That's a good idea. We need, so you'll come to a scene and go, this needs to be sad. This needs yeah. to be lower tempo. And then I start going, looking through and going, okay, the last one was yeah. uplifting, bright, had a lot of plagal cadences in it and so on, and it had a nice resolution. Let's choose something like discordant and slow to add tension yeah. to the scene. And then so, we'll, yeah. so what was this thing about Enric and Stratosphere? Uh, he said that they've kind of become the leitmotiv or for, you know, bad things getting worse uh, and lessons being taught. And he says they're this wonderful theme. More yes. I, I thought that when I first heard Stratosphere, actually, I'm I'm glad someone else thought of that because yeah. I'm literally, we're actually in the middle of working and by the time you hear this the episode would have already came out but uh, I use that because I think that is a, a great lesson to learn kind of and it ends in such a very nice way and I don't know why it always like there's some well, kind of deep yeah. feeling about it that when I listen to it and I hear those final words I'm like that's what I needed to hear it reminds me of like I don't know. It, and Enric is great because it oh just, yeah. it's well, just it's, like... It's Kerensky's sad speech. Bittersweet, you know? yeah. And and that's that thing is like... I remember when we did Kerensky's final speech for the Ameris Civil War Part 2. Like, chat like blew up. Like, people yeah. were just like doing the F in chat. And the zero seven. Yeah, yeah. They were just like doing the zero seven salute. They were like, that's amazing. And seeing that resonate live was really awesome. So I'm glad you picked up on that. Um, what would we do different for the clan invasion? Assuming I had everyone. You're an Ilkhan. Yeah, you, you don't, you don't do any, you do something different. Bring the whole clans for one, two, strategically stage your resources closer to the front. So it's not like, Hey, we're out of bolts. Uh, a thousand light years that way. See you in a year. You know, <laughs> who would have thought the other clans were lazy? Yeah. I, I, I would like, Oh, only five of you guys are going. Well, the rest of us are kind of like, we got other shit to do, man. You, you have fun. You, you bring, you basically, if I was going to also stay true to their history, I would try to reproduce uh, Kerensky's invasion of the outer periphery first. So you surround the inner sphere mm. stage and then you drive toward each capital with five clans like in a quadrant, you know, yeah. pushing in at the same time so they can't reinforce each other. And, yeah, the and supply line for that would be pretty nutso. But once Kerensky you, did it. Yeah, I was going to say, once you, well, he also didn't completely nuke uh planets and i don't think the clans did either no they, they're good boys so yeah. it's it's in 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 sore losers but the the, <laughs> yeah. the the thing is is yeah it, it would have been a very slow strategic move because you're sieging a giant area and you can't just be like lightning strike you know it's it's that's because bisco is just sitting on a planet they're like can we still make crackers i mean what's the deal but do we have to do some religious dogma shit no the the clans come down they're like we're in charge now Okay, so you want, like, our taxes, or do we change the flag? I mean, does the post office... Well, yes, that's all fine. We're leaving now. Okay. So he's like, wow, those were pretty nice. Yeah, just like, <laughs> these guys seem okay. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> all right, uh, next up. Good day from the periphery. I have two questions for you, and perhaps the wider Battletech community. First, how can I send you physical stuff? I think your desire for anonymity is entirely appropriate, and giving out your address would be understandably silly. Do you perhaps have an intermediary that stuff can be sent to? 
yes, if you have sent me this email, send me another email if you're still interested after this, and I can provide you with an intermediary. Secondly, I have an idea for Battletech. I have run it past a few people, and I think it'd be an awesome idea. That's not a great sample size, nor do any of us have any sway with Catalyst Games Labs. So I bring it to you, mad lads. Maybe this idea can reach their ears with enough volume that they take notice. Pro tip, they don't. Mm. Um, the idea, HeroForge.com, but for Battletech. Oh, I know exactly what he's talking about. Um, by the way, guys, HeroForge.com is where you can make your own miniatures for oh, tabletop games. Okay. So you can be like, oh, I want a gnome, and I want him to be in this pose with these weapons, and it's good for, like, D&D. Mm-hmm. You can custom make stuff. But for Battletech, that'd be really cool. Yes. So he says, I have noticed the majority of Battletech stuff related on Thingevers and... Thingverse. Thingverse. Yeah, he wrote Thingevers or it autocorrected to it. So I was like, what? Yeah, Thingverse is where you can get 3D printed, printable models. Okay, hmm. so yeah, I, it probably corrected when I copy-pasted. Yeah. And other 3D file sharing sites have been removed and heard that Catalyst Labs or Games Labs has started doing all Junjiro Curita on anyone selling 3D printed, not Battletech models. The oh, irony no. of this seemed to be lost on them. However, 3D printing is not going away unless some really bad shit happens. And if it did, the hobby market would have bigger problems. <laughs> Black market 3D printing. Hey, you want some mad cats? <laughs> I mean... G- give me some amyl nitrate and a Timberwolf. Um, oh, man, what a name for a mech that is... What, amyl nitrate? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you, that's a different thing. Uh, no, no, I, was, I was thinking like Mad Cat uh, is also synonymous with the controller company that yeah. makes those really... like Our controller oh, is special because yeah. you could see through it. Like, yeah, my little brother uses that one. Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to... Yeah, that, that's that's loner controller. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, like everything's like sticky when you you take it out of the box oh, and you're God. like, oh, <laughs> yeah, mad cats. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so instead of trying to see and the entire 3D printing community, why not work with it like Hero Forge by offering a better experience in product than downloading a stock bootleg STL file? How else could you feasibly update and replace all of the old Ironwind metal sculpts in a reasonable time period and cost, especially for the more exotic and obscure battle mechs? Even the new plastic models only cover a tiny portion of the universe. None of the variants and none of the other vehicles. The new plastic Kickstarter models are even experiencing delays due to the comic uh, cough, as he puts it. Compare that with the on-demand 3D printing. No molds, no sending test prints back and forth, and no stock space needed. Just print out, send it, and charge an appropriate fee. It's not like the software doesn't exist. Every modern Battletech game has customization that affects the mech's appearance. So what do you think? Good idea? Or should it rightfully die on the vine? Also, for those that see the charm in the Iron Wind medals, they could slap a blue vintage sticker on their stuff, and I'm sure people would still buy them. Thanks from a fan who is tired of watching hobbies destroyed by companies that, quote, own them. So, wow, good questions. I like the idea of 3D printing a mm-hmm. lot, especially if like it was a license. So you buy yep. from the game company. Let's say you want to print mechs. Mm-hmm. You buy a mech printing license from them. This allows you to log into their site and it's like a Costco card. Yeah. Then each mech file with accessories or whatever is a fee. So you can build your little mech or whatever. And the game company doesn't have to... Uh, 
produce. They don't have to manufacture they anything. They don't have to manufacture anything. They require no warehouse space, no shipping costs, whatever. They just need to have an artist on hand to make all these yeah. pieces. Yeah, and, and you can also crowdsource that to the community. So if the community has a 3D sculptor who's really good, who just loves doing this for fun, mm-hmm. you just say, hey, um, we'll do profit sharing. We own the IP rights, but you throw in your, you know, you throw your model out there. We'll give you credit for it. And, you know, you get a good chunk of cash for it. So you could put a bounty on new models like, oh, well, a lot of people are interested in this Wolverine and we don't have a new skull for it. Let the fans do it. Yeah. So the, the problem that I see there is you've got someone on a board of directors somewhere and uh, they think like this. And I'm going to relate it to a meme that I saw on the BPL Discord earlier today. And it was a guy on Reddit that was talking about stocks. And he was like, Stonks. Why don't I just wait until the stock is a penny and then wait until it goes up to two pennies and then sell it? And somebody explained, well, you know, somebody's going to want to buy it at two pennies. You know, right. It's a gamble. Yeah. And the guy's response was, what do you mean? Someone has to want to buy it? I thought you just <laughs> hit sell and get money. And somebody had to be like, are you, are you fucking Command economy. right now? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and there's someone who's going to be like, there's someone on that board of directors that's going to see like, oh, Atlas model, $15. And then you're going to show them like, Atlas IP license to to 3D print ten dollars, and they're going to be like, but fifteen dollar more money make more richerer. Well, right. And you're going to be like, well, no, we actually make you know like five dollars off the fifteen dollar model because of all the overhead, but we make like eight or nine dollars on the ten dollar model because it's all profit. And they're like, but fifteen bigger number. Well, how how make money if a small number do? And here's the thing: is they would. Print money like nobody's fucking business if they did this. Yeah. They, they would. And the other thing is that would also find it would be the first game company that wholly embraced this as a model. Because if you look at like Games Workshop and the way they do things, you'll be like, oh, man, I need a Lehman Russ for my 500 point list. And we're like, we'll cough up like 50 bucks. And you're like, it's a sheet of plastic. That's worth like five cents. And they're mm-hmm. like, $50. Yep. But if you could print it yourself, you might be able to print a much nicer Lehman Russ. Yeah. And it would cost you five to ten dollars. So why wouldn't they sell a license for fifteen bucks? It costs five to ten dollars to print it. They don't have to pay for transport everything else. Well, Games Workshop is very old school in its methods. They just want to make money hand over fist. And as of the moment of this recording, which is August of twenty twenty, this is true. But I think if Catalyst got into that business and said, no, we're going to embrace 3D printing, make your own if you want, or hire somebody who owns a 3D printer to do it for you, you can get it made out of any resin you want, any way you wanted, and you can have even multiple levels of detail. So if you had a simpler, shittier 3D printer, you could build kind of a rough representation of the Mac that's just kind of like a silhouette. Yeah. Or if you want the really custom total model, you could even do it in different scale. So you could get like a big, you know, three foot one, or you mm-hmm. can get just the standard scale one. You, yeah. ready, so, you ready for some real big brain shit? Oh, please. You could also have a licensing agreement or uh, almost a franchising agreement with game stores. Oh, yeah. To where a game store could pay a monthly, quarterly, annual fee and have access to all of these things. And print them for their customer base. 
Yeah, and I mean, I, I just think go pick it up uh, at your local game store. Yeah, your you, models are yeah. printing now. They'll be ready in two days. Yep, yep. And then you offload all of the cost of plastic storing production onto them. You get a licensing fee. Well, not, not only that. Imagine if you had an online Money. business where they print it out for you, and for like yeah. an extra twenty dollars a model, they paint it up however you want it. Talk about a small business boom. You could you oh. could do that in your fucking garage. You could just yeah. you could do. There is one inherent issue with three D printing that makes this very difficult to maintain and quality. Three D printing uh, and the PLA that you put in and the temperature of the nose head and everything else that goes into three D printing isn't standardized. Yeah, and it changes from mold to mold. So they can print, you know, say a Mad Cat and its specific configuration. It needs to be printed in this way based on this printer. However, if you send that to a game store and they only bought, you know, uh, one of the new, uh, uh, one of the older model printers, they're going to end up printing out like a fucking muddy block that you have to now chisel out um, and then put it all together and it's going to look like crap. And you're like, I spent this much money on this. That's that's why I say go the franchise route because if you buy like a restaurant franchise, like, yeah. they are yeah. insanely micromanaging detailed. Like you will have this model of soda machine. Yeah, yeah you can ensure compliance to make sure. Yeah, so you have somebody else yeah, to yeah, handle yeah. Q&A. Okay, yeah, yep, no, yeah. That, I think that so would be you, better. you tell them like if you want this license, you're going to make, you know, our products with this machine, this resin, you know, these specifications yeah, and so I, that there's I, a yeah. uniform quality. I, I like that. So next question. Okay. Fair warning, this will be a lengthy letter, so hopefully it's not boring. Hello, Tex. This is Black Raptor 311 again. I wanted to write you about a few things that got me thinking while listening to your podcast. First is about the Skeleton King moments. As I have written to you before, I have not I have not have much time for gaming. So I have not had any Skeleton King moments. Sorry, THE Skeleton King. However, I do read stories of Japanese novels called Vampire Hunter D. And there is a plot synopsis of Vampire Hunter D. Um, I... Okay, let's read this. Let's 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 read this and chime in as we go along because I didn't realize how long this one was. Okay. So, okay. It's because I, I know nothing about Japanese... Comics, arts, whatever's I, yeah. I don't. So this is this is altogether. You new. know about the the stuff related to BattleTech with yes. with Robotech. Only like a little bit. Yeah. Like I had a guy going, "Oh, what's your favorite Macross?" And I'm like, "It exists." <laughs> I, I like. I have art of it. Guns. Yeah. I I have a lot of art of Macross stuff. Is it Macross? Is it ma- Macro? I th- I always I called don't. it Macross because of Lacrosse. Someone <laughs> is going to be writing a letter. <laughs> Over this very okay, it's Macross. So yeah, I don't so care what you say. Okay, so here we are. Robotech. If you are not familiar, <laughs> yes, Botoltorik. Um, <laughs> if you are not familiar with the series, it is written by Hideyuki Kikuchi from as far back as 1983. I'm almost as far back as 1983. Oh, this is this is going to be like some some. It, heavy metal fact style like old school 80s okay let's 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 put it in our heads and see what happens that's what i that's what i see in my head so so and is still publishing new volumes today oh dear so like so it's like the simpsons of anime i guess Uh, yeah mm. the u.s english translation are up to 29 of over 30 stories and they are like the long series of pulp novels that you briefly mentioned in podcast 16 well i do love pulp novels the series has got popular enough that two animated movies were made, one in 1985 and one in 2000. The story takes place around the year 120090, at least from the start of the first novel, 
after the world went through a nuclear apocalypse. Since then, vampires, called the nobility in the series, have risen from their long slumber and have taken over humanity and raised back civilization through both supernatural and advanced science and technology. Sounds like Shadowrun. Kinda. It's, mm. it's also got a little bit of Vampire the Masquerade in there. Yeah. They ha- even advanced enough to travel across space. After a few millennium, the mm. vampires have slowly dwindled in numbers and lost control to the point that humanity was able to fight back. Now, humanity lives in world that filled not only vampires that are still one of the greatest threat. I'm reading this word for word. But also with other monstrosities like werewolves, spirits, dragons, and such, as well as creatures and machines that were developed by vampires through their advanced science and technology. Vampires are dicks. The series is mankind a can't catch a fucking break, dude. Mm-hmm. Fucking nuclear apocalypse, boom! Here's vampires, also dragons, werewolves, and all the fucking scary onion monsters. You, know, you got to put content in there, you know. Oh, oh, you yeah. have content. Okay, so the series is a combination of horror, western, science fiction, yeah. occult, folklore, and of course, Lovecraftian, Lovecraftian elements. The stories are centered around a vampire hunter, assembly called D. He's a half-breed of vampire and human, so he has abilities that make him quite suitable for the job. I see we've taken the Hideo Kojima naming convention here. <laughs> Main character well, named Well, this predates D. Hideo Kojima. I'm just saying. It's, yeah, oh, I know what you Hideo mean. Hideo Kojima took the vampire hunter Japanese thing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways. All right, so on. hold on. I lost my place. <clears throat> he is a uh, da-da-da. He travels along the frontier looking for work as a hunter. He is also accompanied by a symbiont, which appears as a face in his left hand oh. which gives Steve further abilities in this job <laughs> one moment yeah you better you, yeah you're gonna need some whiskey to make yeah, sense just of this. drink a little bit of what are you drinking uh this is japanese whiskey well fitting <laughs> i'm hoping it makes this a little more uh, i just want to point out that this is why i do not get into anime it okay is, no i'm just hey i'm reading this so, sounds like a dd un- character it is incredibly convoluted okay so let's keep going uh, yep. don't want to run run out of steam both animated movies are up on YouTube if you have not seen them. They are presented in what one expects from Japan animation from such combination of genres and themes. However, when I started reading the books, the author goes an extra step. How many more steps do you need in no describing chance. things and events that I can only call Skeleton King moments? Mm. Ah, so I see why he prefaced all of this. Yep, no, oh, I no, think no, it's, no. it's it, you have to understand the, uh, the, the context. Well, that, and I don't pre-read these for the most part yeah i i just copy paste and then we read them so yeah, yeah. Now, we're, we're getting it well i mean Content. it's like it's like the clans you know when you did the clans episode of text talks battle tech like you have to go back and that you was know, originally gonna be you gotta you know it's gonna be one episode like an hour long episode that was like 45 minutes long maybe, yeah about, but no it's it's yeah it's, i, I went is, nuts you know I, I see where this guy's coming from in volume 29 noble front A scene describes a vampire and a human professor negotiating a deal where humans can get advanced technology the vampires have in exchange for human sacrifices. The vampires show the professor how the castle they are in is powered by not a power source in or near the castle, but from another planet that has an anti-proton power plant that covers the entire planet producing near-infinite energy. It is 150 million square miles and took two and a half days to build. Dyson Sphere? What? I I what? More whiskey. More whiskey. Don't 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 just don't think about it. Just talk. No thinking. The only planet talking. has lots of energy that can be produced infinitely. In volume sixteen, Tyrant Stars one and two, there's a character <laughs> named Speeny the Spider. 
<laughs> he is described as having yes. long, spindly limbs that give the impression of a spider. He shoots webs from his fingertips that only he can cut. <laughs> I am Siggy the oh, cigarette. God. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is, yeah. Yep. This is straight up this like. Is skeleton King. Nothing right unusual here. for you, right? Let's keep going. Did he just going. hand it to his eight year old oh, no. kid and just went, just continue writing for me? I'll put my name uh, on it. His favorite method of attack is hurling his opponents 150,000 feet into the air and have them fall to their deaths. 150,000 feet? 150,000 feet in the air and have them fall to their deaths. Isn't that lower? Really, really specific number he's got there. Yeah, is it like low Earth orbit almost? I'm pretty sure that's a suborbital trajectory. Like he they're does gonna... this while hanging on a single <laughs> nearly invisible thread. This thread does not hang on a tree, limb, or a, of a, or a wall. No, this thread goes all the way up to the colony on the moon. That's right. <laughs> the moon, comma, where he is from, period. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, all right. This has been absolutely worth the wait. <laughs> he is from the moon. No more he questions. from the moon, and he get to Earth because he uh, he put a spindly spider web on the moon, and then he fall down from the moon into the Earth, and then he throw people up to the moon, and they fall back down, and that's how they die. He can what? also use his threads to capture meteors oh and hurl them down on his enemies. Oh, my Lord. He's what? like a Final Fantasy character. So you see oh, what I mean Jim. here? And these are just two examples that are throughout the series. At first, it was not so bad in the beginning, but more and more of these moments show up as the series progresses. The writer comes up with places, characters, and events that is supposed to show the reader how grand and horrifying the world of this series is, but goes over the top to ridiculous levels. The anime movies, since they don't describe the world to such an extent, don't feel like these Skeleton King moments. I still read the series as new volumes are published. You see, unlike fans of the Twilight series, I openly admit that my enjoyment of Vampire Hunter D is a guilty pleasure. Now that I have given you this long anecdote, I'll give you a question. And you made us laugh, so it's worth it. Yes. In episode 13 of your podcast, you dis discussed movies that are edited or combined with other movies to improve or at least make them more enjoyable. So I'll give you an idea. Bear in mind, I got this idea from a friend of mine years ago that... If can't edit these movies together, it would be it would have made a hilarious Mad TV sketch. Remember that? That was a great show. Beat the hell out of SNL, but I digress. It was actually a really good show. Um, so here it goes. Kevin Costner meets Children of the Corn in Field of Screams. <laughs> oh, so good. So That's yet, too good. So he, he wrote some dialogue here. Quiet whispering voice. <laughs> if you build it, he will come. Kevin Costner. Who? Quiet whispering voice. He who walks behind the rose. What do you guys all think? It almost writes itself, doesn't it? <laughs> well, thank you again for taking your time to read this. I hope it was interesting to a degree. Till next time, Black Raptor 311. That was a worthy one. That thank was you. good. Yeah. That was very good. All right. So next one. Good evening, Tax and other podcast people. Currently listening to the latest podcast, MMO1. We're behind on reading these. Um, and you were discussing Sorry. your favorite genres that you said were your favorites were sci-fi and historical fiction. An author that is fairly well known, but wrote more than is normally thought, is of Jules Verne. I actually have first printings of Jules Verne on my bookshelf. Hmm. They're the uh, wonderful Art Deco-looking books I have over yeah. there. Um, Jules Verne is my favorite author. And he wrote futuristic sci-fi at the turn of the 1900s. Around the world in 80 days, Journey to the Center of the Earth, 
from the Earth to the Moon, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and many others. His stories take place across the entire world, and his writing is probably the most movie-like. He was also one to actually dive into the science behind it. The Mysterious Island has the characters making nitroglycerin and telegraphs from rocks and plants after a shipwreck containing step-by-step instructions and also statements about the fact that dynamite was invented while they were stuck on the island. So he did not make that. His writing is a bit dated, but is not as difficult to read as to kill a mockingbird. Mockingbird. God, I don't have my glasses on. Um, both in subject matter and written out accents, his writing tends to be a blend of sci-fi, historical fiction, and steampunk. In fact, your space train game, Sunless Skies, is very much set in the time frame of Verdian writing. I'm well aware, and thank you. He is not afraid to go into... Sorry, I'm scrolling here because it's all my laptop, which is old. He is not afraid to go into what was the unknown at the time and write about there. Canada, Russia, especially Siberia, Sub-Saharan Africa, etc. And mainly focuses on humanity's struggle against nature, popular at the time, which simmered into a semi-harmonious relationship. See Niagara Falls Power Station's architecture, Canadian side. And whether exploration should be done or should we leave well enough alone, along with a hefty dose of God, providence fits in with all of this couple that with a good dose of romanticism versus enlightenment thoughts all of this done with probably some of the most people-like characters and not ham-fisted like movies have been getting lately with their agendas touch of cosmic horror is also included and there are written well enough that there is always a big reveal but if you reread the book the big reveal was so telegraphed that you will be hitting yourself from missing it the first time so this goes on a bit and i'm not saying i don't want to read it but I was about to say there's there's a question in here somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it 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 it's, it's quite good. But he's reminding me, in essence, what I knew. But I think most people should appreciate. And he hits this with his final line because I actually know a lot about Jules Verne, and I could go on for an hour about Verne yeah. thought and so on in my favorite sci-fi. But I'm going to close this out with a line he's offered us that I think is really good. His writing to me is like how Dune seems to be to you. It has greatly shaped who I am. And who I want to be. Oh. And he admits he's getting rambly, slept poorly. So hopefully this is somewhat intelligible. Have a good day. And he signs it as Colin. So, Colin, thank you for the long letter. I know a lot about Jules Verne. And I can appreciate it. And everyone has that sci-fi or fantasy or whatever. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's Lord of the Rings. For some people, it's uh, Song of Ice and Fire. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's Dune, like it is for me. For some people, it's Heinlein and any of his wonderful little settings. So thank you for telling us about Jules Verne. Um, Indeed. But I apologize for the brevity's sake of this podcast. Uh, I'm going to somewhat jump around at some of the longer ones. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, that's, you know. All right. So it's 1987. That's how this one starts. Mm-hmm. It's 1987, and the American capitalist pigs have taken over our glorious Polyus Skiff space laser. Besides our standard 23-millimeter autocannon, what should our troops be armed with? Standard small arms, Kalashnikov, Tokarevs, Makarovs, spy guns, PSM, APS, SPP-1, OTA-38, space guns, TP-82, or TOZ-81s, or one of our new laser guns? Or something like the Colt Lawman Air Marshal Pistol? And what the hell did the Soviets know that we didn't to have all of the above? Das Vidanya, thanks. And then he writes, P.S., Loving the podcast, all your things, the BPL member stuff, and adventures of scrambles on the courtesy flush. So he's asking. It's 1987. Mm-hmm. We're the Soviets. Mm-hmm. What gun should we arm our cosmonauts with? RPG-7. Good choice. 
Good choice. <laughs> I like it. Functions, functions is an emergency self-destruct device, emergency propulsion system, and a self-defense implement. I'm going to go with flamethrower. That's another That's good, a good one. one. Space flamethrower would be pretty awesome. Yeah, Because fire be. in space is awesome. Yeah. I would, choo- I would have a contraption uh, that spins... Uh, with about eight barrels, all of them fitted with Mosin Nagants. Oh, so you're talking mm. Gatling so Nagants. It's just like, doof, doof, but it, uh, it has a little lever on the side that also resets the bolt. So it's like, Mike, I, I hate to bust your bubble here, but a Gatling gun is essentially a very. I don't care about all of that. I want it to actually reset the bolt as if a little hand is pulling the bolt back he, and setting it back no, in no, place a, every a, time. A Gatling gun is a bolt action rifle. He wants, oh. he wants oh, the Rube Goldberg. Sorry. Yeah, I want a Rube Goldberg Gatling gun, but made with also known as a Gatling guns. gun. Okay, now when you take one of those apart, you're like, why are there so many gears? <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. I didn't know that about Gatling guns because I no, it has a bolt and there's. A I've only seen the Hollywood versions of them. Oh yeah, mm. the, mm. they just spin a fucking uh, Jack in the Box handle crank. Except people said that while using Gatling guns, like in their head, they were like, come on, you know they did. Oh yeah, you know they did. Here's another idea. Here's an idea because it's just like Moses. It's space and there's no air resistance. Gyrojet bola. Oh, so so yeah. you you hit them with it and then it just spins around and it just sends them like you know fucking uh, Gary's mod ragdolling out into space and you're like bye fuckhead. No, I I like that because I I think in space that would be really dangerous it'd be, or it'd be fucking hilarious. Too. I know what would be awesome in space. Blunderbuss. Mm. Yes. Mm. So mm-hmm. you just you're like they're like you don't have any bullets and you just take a handful of washers and nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you're like Joke's I've got on a, you, fuck face. You're, you're like you like your American currency so much you don't put <laughs> a whole bunch of quarters in there. <laughs> I will seize the means of production. Uh, or you have, and also you need to have, like you have Tanya from Red Alert. Yeah. Um, she's equipped with a what? nunchuck Obras. Oh, oh so, yeah. So when she swings it, it fires, and then she resets the bolt in action as she does a somersault. Well, that's that's the there weird thing. She's wearing fitted leather, you know. Yeah, because mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. that doesn't make noise. Um, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> there is spy. I hear s. Um, but no. Uh, the good news is it traps farts. Yeah. So. You just see that bubble and you gotta squeeze it out. Um, <laughs> So here's here's the thing, and this is the thing that really blows my mind, I think, is you you look at the Russians did actually put a lot of weapons and stuff in space. And so the question was that he kind of also asked, like, what in the fuck did the Russians know that we don't? Uh, that if you can send people into space and then if they don't succeed, you don't have to talk about it. Oh, so you're saying like, yeah. come right, reach into abort box. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Also, when you land in Siberia, sometimes there's wolves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm saying that, like, they've sent firepower up there. So it's it's one of those, you know. It's, they don't talk about their failures. They're, they're a country who explicitly avoids ever acknowledging any failure they've ever had. A little bit. That or, that or we're not acknowledging ours, like. Russians oh. win the space race for first object in orbit. Also, guns on their satellites. Like, yeah, and then America's yeah, like, America how fucking our- dare you? We're going to the moon, bitch. We're going to go to that's that how- rock in the sky. That's, hey, America, that's, what-, <laughs> hey, that's what they said. That's what they, I mean, it's it's historically accurate what? on I, TV. He's like, what up? I, I think hey, maybe- it's your boy, JFK. <laughs> At it again with the space rocks. He's like, what you know about that? <laughs> <laughs> what if Russia was like, 
Comrade, where is your Sputnik? And we're like, definitely didn't get blown up by Soviet satellites. That's definitely not what happened. We're going to send a car to fucking space, dude. (laughs) (laughs) So next one. Yeah. He says, feel free to tackle all these together or break them up and answer them on an appropriate podcast. We're going to tackle these now. Best and worst uniforms of the inner sphere. Worst Kurita. Best. Free Rossog Republic because they look like fucking um, Bella Lugosi vampires because it has yep, the collar God. bit, you know? So you're like, yeah. I am a colonel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best and worst. Uh, I'd say the best that I've seen was actually from Steiner because it actually looked like military, military uniforms. uniforms. Yeah. I'm like, wow, they look like the most normal of the groups, the worst one is the the fucking Roman dudes. Oh, Marian, Hege- Marian oh, hegemony. Yeah, yeah, fuck those guys. They're just sitting there like, what? what it reminds me of those dudes from. I know this. They look like larpers. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty fucking funny. <laughs> Forsooth, they're like, yeah. they're like space is cold. It's like man up. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know who the best is because I literally have no idea about uniform design, but I knew the worst is the clans. Fuck those people. All right. So. <laughs> okay. No, it's a good answer. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. So what are your preferred archetypes for the inner sphere and periphery houses? We've seen some in the episodes, but not all. Um, Merrick being the Austro-Hungarian weirdos. Favorite archetypes. I would say I love the Steiner notion of them being very bad at strategic warfare mm-hmm. because they just have numbers and money and they have generals the general staff is the ultimate contradiction in terms because they're just all social generals yeah except for the ones who are really brilliant like anastasia's folk who go to comstar yeah <laughs> well they're, they're like you must kill yourself and you know <laughs> just, yeah um my favorite uh, well my favorite archetypes um are actually both uh periphery archetypes uh, I I like uh, oh God I can now I I can't even think of their fucking name the bull guys oh Torian Concordant the Torian Concord I like the Torian Concordant because it's just America yeah. but like hyperized like I don't fuck get off my property oh, it's like yeah. I live here too not anymore because this is my property and it's like like, like if Appalachian I'll, West Virginia yes. was a nation. I, I like yeah, that from around here is you, <laughs> but they're also very diverse as they actually have a lot of planets that are very similar to like the Rust Belt. Yeah. So I, I like that part of it, but I also like space Ohio. So it's like walking into the 7-Eleven and like the Indian guy that owns it looks at you and goes, you ain't from around here, are you, son? Like, I, what I also yeah. like, uh. the other archetype is the magistracy of Canopus because they're just a giant timeshare slash Vegas. Yes. <laughs> where, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Where, where you just fucking like where debauchery is law the reason why they're down I know why they're down there because the touring concordance over there and those people like to pretend like they're still flying to Vegas like it's a fucking vacation yep so yeah well and that's Nick brought up a good point which is the reason why I love battle tank is right now a lot of game companies are getting huge pushback because they're trying to retcon stuff and the company's trying to act like they give a shit about cultural identity and stuff they're like no no we're just gonna put a bunch of people of color in here we're gonna put a bunch of gay people in here yes I also enjoy cause of the month and this is your month which we really believe in truly as corporation and that's (laughs) That's why I love Battletech is they'll be like, you'll find a guy with a Japanese name and you'll look and you're like, that guy's white. And it's like, well, he's from Kurita. And you find that the cultural hodgepodge and everything, it doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter where you're from. Yeah. It only matters if you're fucking smart or crazy. And that's why I love Battletech. Is and, and what house you belong to. Yeah. And, and exactly. It's, it's the dynasty politic of it has removed 
in many cases, identity politic of the individual. And I think that's really interesting. And it shows that that setting was really forward thinking in many mm -hmm. ways because they said, yeah, you know, here, here's a woman who wields enormous power. Here's a black person who wields enormous power. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with their sex or cultural heritage or the religion or anything else. It's no, this person's fucking smart or no, this person is very cunning or no, this person grabs the reins of power because they have that audacity in their spirit. And I go, that's a setting I love. And you, you kind of highlighted that where you'll see like it doesn't no one ever really reacts to color or race or heritage or anything. No. It's it's like. No, those are those guys two centuries ago. They burned some of our worlds. And it's it's deep-seated kind of a historical disdain for someone from another part of the galaxy. I feel like at a certain point, it's like like in like between the wars of Davian and Curita, it's like Davian is sitting on their side of the border and they pointed a Curita guy and they're like, hey, fuck that guy. He likes the color red. And it's like, yeah. you're but House Davian is like golden red. And they're like, shut the that guy likes yeah. red too. Fucking kill him. <laughs> yeah. What? Well, Kirita's issue is that they they are just like mercenaries must die. Well, yeah. until they're like, we need mercenaries. Yeah, we need mercenaries. So, so about that one thing. <laughs> um, but so no. let's go ahead and put a pause on that for just a hot second. Well, it's <laughs> they they saw the competition was getting too hot. I'm just yeah. saying. What? No. That's, ha ha. Jk. We're not going to pay you. <laughs> Please come back with all of our things. Well, right. But I I think that that's kind of interesting in BattleTech. Yeah. Is BattleTech was a setting where these things don't so much matter, and they show why because it's more about the imminent struggle of the nation or your backyard or whatever else. It's about mm -hmm. staying alive and fighting. And yeah. I, I think that's a really cool way of doing it because I, I hated the way Star Trek did it where they were like, racism is dead. And I'm like, I don't know. You kind of seem to you pointed like, it out. Racist. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, well, you know what it is. So it obviously isn't. It's yeah. like when you go to Thanksgiving and you have that one like drunk uncle that's like, I'm not a racist. I have plenty of black friends. Like, Name them. Well, <laughs> the fact that you point that out, like, yeah. or, or when someone says, I'm not a racist, but, and but, you're like, the rest of that sentence is that you're a racist. Or or my favorite, <laughs> do you want to hear a racist joke, licks over both shoulders. Exactly. You know, but yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, that's one thing that really stands out to me in Battletech is the setting has, is really forward thinking in many ways because they actually give thought to this or even if it's accidental, it's beautiful. Yeah, but it's, it's, but it's a case of show it, don't say it. Exactly. And I, I, I hate how they ham fist stuff in there now. Yeah. And, and well, it's, yeah. well, it's, it's cultural warfare and it's very clumsy because it's a company trying not to get in trouble with people and also to sell more product. They don't give a fuck about the cause. I'm no. just saying, man, I think uh, there's a lot of consultants Oh, yeah. They're just full oh, of yeah. fucking shit. Yeah. yeah. And I, I've talked to a lot of consultants, uh, especially PR people. Mm. They're just full of fucking shit. And they're telling these companies, you have to get in on this. They're going to find out. And it almost feels like they're the mafia threatening you. Yeah. It's like, okay. Uh, this is a hot button issue. You need to talk about uh, wheelchair access. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. I, I'm, I'm just like, huh. all Looks right. Let's do Rolodex. Cause du jour. Yep. So, favorite sidearm for a mech jock. I'm going to go with a heavy caliber revolver because at that point, it's going to be point blank and it needs to work. Yeah. When you got an elemental knocking on your cockpit, the only thing that's going to puncture that is 44. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> RPG 7. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Double the, down. The yeet, <laughs> imagine a yeet seat. It, it goes out, right? You're flying up in the air and then underneath it, rockets shoot out. Oh, yeah. at the, there you go. At no. the cockpit below you. So no. it makes the cockpit completely inaccessible. Even better. 
even better. Yeet seat, but as it flies out, it pulls pens on. Grenades. Oh, that's oh, excellent. Just, oh, oh, no, it just pulls the fuse on like three satchel charges. Yeah. That's yeah, that would be fucking awesome. All right. So considering the sheer amount of data that Comstar handles, how much of it is low priority text traffic? Would it be more appropriate to refer to those weirdos as space Google? Yes. Yes. hundred percent. hundred percent. I, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of it is probably, um, just market stuff, you know, Hey, that we're willing to pray or, you know, pay this much for corn, Yeah, but we don't want any more wheat, you know, and that just gets transmitted around. Like I would say small, yeah banking data as well you know, uh, yeah all that account. data is put into a file that is listed under your identification right. which at any point they decide they want to turn their eye of sauron on you they can just open up every mundane conversation you ever had on their network right and they can go oh here's his full record of all financial exchange yeah, yeah. like oh all right gray death legion important players are just a footnote in the BattleTech universe accidental mm. heroes actually is the way i'd phrase uh, that yeah i think that's fair they, they, I, I only know of the art from them i don't have any well, let's say i desperately that, want money oh no i found a thing i it, accidental heroes and i i would say that we'll save that for an episode okay because that's my thesis um they're a mercenary company but that's all i know are are black pants required at bpl meetups no but i do wear them yeah it's, the loose trading company. He's not a sponsor. That's just no, the people he buys. They're from. comfortable pants and they last forever. They he pays, like he pays a really high dollar for his pants because he wants something that lasts. You, you know, know like you don't go to sometimes. Walmart and pay $10 for jeans. And no, sometimes in clothing, you get what you pay for. And well, as long and, as you're not buying a brand, yeah. like you got to make sure you're buying quality. But if you're paying for quality, like you, you're going to spend money. I, yeah. I buy my pants from either Duluth or a Carhartt. Because they're mm. made for heavy use, mm. and you can use them for like five, six years before they start to get really threadbare. And yeah. for five, six years for a pair of pants, that's great. I, yeah. yeah. In, in years past, when I was poor as shit, you know, go to Walmart or whatever, buy pants. They're gone in six months. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, next one. What was the most fun or overpowered D&D character you've played? Uh-huh. Uh, Wizard. Because Wizard has that wonderful scale of fuck you mm. in terms of how powerful they get. Um Either of you have any D&D story? I, I don't. Okay. I, I just have uh, my current character, Shadowrun, which Goat has constantly admitted is overpowered as fuck. But it's fun. It's because he has he dabbles in just about everything except for... like He doesn't really... He specializes in being a face, but not so much so that he's combat inefficient. He's got high edge, but he's also got high firearms, but he's not like uh, he could talk his way out. He doesn't have like a twenty dice pull on one thing. He's got like a seven to twelve dice pull on everything. And mm. I'm like, I found that to be pretty effective. Swiss I'm, Army Knife's a good one. That yeah, was, yeah. I, my first character in any tabletop setting was a tech priest, and because uh, I wanted to try a little bit of everything. It wasn't yeah. like I was like indecisive. I was like, I just wanted to see what just except for magic because I, yeah. I, I, I'm gonna say this. I really don't like magic and that's, that's fair. No. My um, so my first character was a tech priest my second one was an adeptus administratum guy and both yeah. of them were very swiss army knife build and i really i really like that yeah, yeah being able to do everything in a tabletop game some people are like i want to be the kill guy i want to be the cannon it's like the older you get the thinking player gravitates towards swiss army knife it's yeah. better to be the rogue or the bard in the party for an experienced player than it is to be the fighter or the wizard um it's all it's also a trick pony it's yeah. also it, it's helpful for the DM who has probably this whole thing set up, and uh, it's he you get to like a door, and your guy goes like, well, the only way through is by punching it, and it's like, well, if you set off the alarm, everything's ruined. It's like, well, I can't do anything else. Try the doorknob, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, you don't do that. That's fucking (laughs) too much thinking. Would Battletech benefit from a universal art overhaul similar to the redesigned mech for MWO, particular when it comes to clothing and uniforms? I find it distracting to see pictures of non-Capella, non-Wob infantry dressed as hobos armed with weapons that look like recycled ray gun gothic weapons, or is it just part of the charm of the series at this point? I would say this. I think for uniforms, no. For weaponry, maybe. Well, in everything is based mm. on its era. Because if you're going to feel bad about that, I invite you to go look at Rogue Trader, which was the first edition of Warhammer 40K, where you have an Inquisitor, Sherlock, Obi-Wan, Clouseau, mm. wearing a giant yin-yang shirt and looking like a neckbeard. I mean, art has its own charm, but also you have to realize different eras of art looking back are going to be kind of endemic to the era. So... I also think people looking like hobos. I mean, if you're talking like what end of the second succession war, like it's probably all they really well look at it this way. If if it makes it better for headcanon purposes, if it makes it way better for headcanon purposes, just say it's propaganda. You know, say, oh yeah, yeah, we're drawing these people as hobos because we think that they are just degenerates and we're trying to show the collapse of their civilization. Yeah, Yeah. think about who's telling the story. Right. Um, And I I I think that uh, if I was going to go let's retcon all the old uniforms and redraw everything that would mean they'd have to rewrite a lot of stories yeah and, to, to do that but and also be retcon is terrible and if they were to do something like that i would say the one style you're gonna pick is cassette futurism yes. everybody's gonna have very 80s looking clothing and 80s They're all looking- gonna be smoking everything's gonna have big Wrath fucking Con buttons era. on it yeah everything's gonna have big fucking buttons on it mm-hmm. yes a lot oh, of yeah. toggle switches i'm i'm tired of seeing touch pads and stuff i i'm like i'm not against touch pads but i think that the fact that there's For no the ta- setting it needs to be big toggles and yeah ta- tactile yeah. switches man are yeah, all click clack power mm-hmm. online reactor online yep. systems online yes no, yeah favorite battle tank novel or story i i am going to say anything by blaine pardo or michael stackpole those guys are great I don't have one because I don't know anything about Same. it. It's okay. Are there any Text Talks Battletech episodes that you would like to cover, but there's not enough information available? Well, they thought there would not be enough information available for the Mackie. And, and we're here closing. we are. Yeah, we're, we're like an hour <laughs> and some in because I went deep dive. I can find out anything if I can talk to the people who wrote it. And that's my secret weapon. But yeah. I, I think I would love to talk about some of the crazier, weirder things in the Battletech universe. And I kind of gave a hint at that in the Turpets episode where there's a lot of hidden war stuff. Yeah. And it's, I, it's yeah. harder to talk about and and uh, get information for the stuff, not just because the information's not you know available, but it's also player interest. The You know, people's yeah. interest in it is kind of different when it, you like you do the Mad Cat. Oh, people are going to, people want that it's one. It's the poster boy to the series. People it want is. that. People yeah. want the poster ideas and, and yeah. before they get into the deep dives. And I think that's true with the Turpets episode that people go back to it because when we re- initially released it, it was like, it, it did pretty okay. And then like after we've done, I think the Amer Civil War, people were going back to that and we're like, yeah. oh shit. Right. Oh shit. I see what he, why he was it trying makes, to tell the it story. It makes more sense now. Well, yeah. and the thing is, is I can either do only what's popular. I could do like, if instead of doing all these deep dives on history, if I had just done the top 10 mechs and yeah. visual effects and stuff like that, would it have been more popular? Yes. Yes. But you wouldn't understand why. And as a historian, I want to tell why before I say what. Exactly. Well, I think that's something that people didn't know was going to be as exciting as it is. Well, I, I, I think that compliment, because writing all that is very hard and distilling 
thousands of pages of information down into a cohesive script and narrative is hard. Well, it's, it's one thing to have this huge universe that, that, uh, Battletech has, but it's, it's another thing to have somebody that can kind of guide you through it and like bring all the pieces together and, you know, without having to read through, I don't even know how many novels there are about this series, but, you know, to bring that universe into a cohesive picture that you can, you know, get together in your head over the course of, you know, maybe nine, ten hours of, of video footage and get like a real sense of it is yeah. well, really fucking cool. Synthesis, I think. synthesis is very hard, especially because people don't realize it. Well, some people have. Um, I, I did have someone who wrote in who was a professor and he goes, these are doctorate theses. And I go, yeah, I had to write a thesis for my master's degree. And so I kind of used to it. That's how I write. So yeah. I, I tend to write an argument and then support it with evidence and narrative. Um, which is kind of a waste of my master's degree and also simultaneously the best use of my master's degree I've ever had. So, there you yeah. go. Um, I minored in German. Thank you, Steiner Scout Squad. There you go. Best bacon you ever had. Where can we get it? Um, I like Ooh, the uh, or, Missouri, right? Yeah, it's it's in Missouri. There's a place called Worst House. I think it's in Missouri. Yeah, to, it's it's called Worst House. W R S T House. Yeah. Yep. They're a German traditional butcher. And yeah, I do, think it was in Missouri. Yeah, yeah, they do bratwurst and bacon, and it's all very, very fucking good. It's a little pricey. Did you go there to get it, or did no. you order it? They they order and ship. They pack mm. everything nice. It shows up really nice. Um, that, worst that, house. Yeah, worst house. Very good. Um, and lastly, soundtracks. Does there exist a playlist for the Text Talks Battletech episodes? Also, the best worst soundtrack for a game slash TV slash movie, etc. Sorry for the massive drop of questions, but I find it hard to just jot down a question, remember it, and to send it in. Well, Take okay. care of yourself. Keep up the good work. Remember that Black December incident was an inside job. Don't let Rom know you know. Sincerely, I.E. Geth. Um, Thanks. There is a playlist we put in our newer episodes we used to not do it but we actually have a playlist in the description so you can see what we play and why um best worst soundtracks for movies is too common to list because there's a lot of movies where we're just like why would you use this song Mm. um one of the ones that actually comes to mind that's really jarring uh is the uh the new robocop oh yeah yeah we're, we're the we're at the very end it starts playing i fought the law and the law won yeah. And, and it's just like, what does that have to do with what we just watched? It seriously undermines the whole tone of it. Yes. And, and it was just like, why? So next question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. Here comes the police. Here yeah. comes the police. That, that would have been a better choice because I would have understood why. Um, ABPL, notice that you guys tend to hate on Games Workshop a lot for essentially yeah. turning Warhammer 40K setting into a meme. I don't quite understand this given that the BPL does nothing but create memes. For example, didn't you guys didn't you guys Games Workshop the fuck out of the Star Trek setting during your tabletop campaign? I'm not necessarily calling you out for having fun, just trying to understand where you're coming from. It is only fun to screw around in serious settings, question mark. Or is it only fun? Okay, got it. Isn't modern Warhammer 40K basically BPLified Warhammer 40K? Kind regards, A. Yes and no. Ours was an intentional farce. Yes. And an intentional parody. Which we, which we, we, we were never going to rewrite history or try to cover up the fact that no, we, Star Trek exists. We just wanted to show 
what it probably was like for other shittier ships in the Federation. Yes. And, and they're in and, and probably one of the worst crews that Starfleet had. I, I have a, I've actually got a really good uh, comparison for that. Please. Uh, I had just recently finished. I just told Texas before we started recording, finished watching Freeman's mind with Ross Scott. Yeah. And watching Freeman's mind and how Freeman reacts to things that are that make no sense that it's like puzzles they put in there that as a game player you'd know to do but Freeman's like why would I go this way yeah who would think to do this and I think that's something we kind of did with Star Trek where we're like imagine you have Abraham Lincoln appear on your screen and saying I am Abraham Lincoln trust me I'm as real as ever and you're like what the fuck and that's only a Thursday yeah yeah and, and you're and you guys are like well, why would Ross have an M14? I'm like, dude, why would why would a green hand of Apollo bring the Enterprise down? And no, that's like no, a Friday. And and you you make a valid point. Um, ours was intentional farce and spoofing, yeah. but also to kind of explain how we as players and people who love Star Trek would react to the nonsense that Kirk was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It, we were just like, what? Why? Because I think there are a lot of people who just magically, like just mentally accept Star Trek for how it is yeah. without questioning anything what else that's happening in it. And I'm kind of like, okay, I can, I can see reason why you'd accept it as it is. Cause it's a uh, dystopian kind of, perfect future kind of ideal setting however i still have a lot of fucking questions that are never answered well, right because <laughs> you have to wrap it up by the end of an hour yeah, yeah. well in the and the question i think that we were trying to answer is what is life like for the crews that you know did not leave the galaxy like eight times on their first cruise yeah you know, like what, what happens to the guys who have to do the rank and file i yeah. also because it's, yeah. well, it's like in an action movie you know you see the hero cops walk off into the sunset but they don't show the story of the traffic cop who has two ex-wives. The EMT who has to clean up all the yeah. fucking bodies or, from or, the yeah, shootout yeah. in the warehouse. I mean, exactly. To, to put it in to put it in in a term that I think maybe people will understand like being on the Enterprise is like being in Vietnam. Being being on other ships is like a weird TDY to Vegas. Yeah. In yeah. And in, in, in the, the way I look at it also is we were doing somewhat our how we would react. Yeah. So there's a lot of self-insertion. Like, I, would, I just fucking shoot that guy, you know. Yeah. Um, but we also were just having a bit of a farce and fun with it. Warhammer 40K is unintentional self-parody at this point. Yeah. And, see and, also Skeleton King. Right. And, and Goat and I went over that on an earlier podcast. And we kind of reject that notion because, one, it's very lazy writing. And, two, they had a really good thing going. And they just said, how can we market this to more people rather than how do we keep this good thing going? So it would really be like a fine. Well, it would be like a five-star restaurant going. Mm -hmm. We serve these amazing steaks. They're really unique. We have interesting cuts of meat from interesting, you know, source. And, and it's all really high quality. But what if instead we just served Funfetti birthday cake, giant sheet cake? And you go, well, I don't know. I mean, we, we've been making the steakhouse for the last hundred years. Five generations of people have been making. Yeah, 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 yeah. But everyone but, loves sheet but cake. But Funfetti. Funfetti sheet cake. Yeah. You know, so it's one of those things where the palate changes. And maybe it's just me being a grognard. Again, this is my opinion. But I, yeah. I think it's become somewhat tragic. 
I was going to say, it seems to me that they, they got to a point where, you know, you had all these different threats to the Imperium kind of coming to a head and there were yeah, all these was, well, you know little threads. And it came to the point where, like, something major was going to have to happen. Yeah, like Andy Chambers built the, slowly up what yes, was going to happen. Like the, the fate of the Emperor has to right. be decided. Yes. And, and the fate of the Webway behind the Golden Throne. Yes. And, you know, what is the deal with, you know, there's this whole plot thread of... You know, the Adeptus Mechanicus possibly worshipping a Catan god and, you know, the Tyranid invasion from extragalactic space. And they were like, which is, it's hard to bring all that into a cohesive He was doing it very slowly. That can move into, you know, a the next new generation, generation yeah, of, of the course. setting. Yeah. So instead they were like, what if we make really extra tall Marines. Right. And then Cadia blows up and then the Necrons are our friends and we go and we fight demons. It's like, yeah. Yeah. It's, they well, hey, the, hang on a minute. Well, they pick the gears of war well, approach. It's, it's one of those things of sequelitis. Yeah. You know, where you have the guy who makes the first movie. Right. And the guy who makes the first movie does a okay job, pretty good job. And then someone comes along and does the sequel and the studio tells him bigger, better, faster, louder. What what you're doing plus twenty percent. Yep. And the problem is is if you keep following that method, there's nowhere else to go. Yes. You 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 put yourself in a corner. Right. Because it's like, well, now I have to literally blow up a hundred suns every time I show anything on screen. And yeah. they're like, perfect, print that. Yeah. <laughs> Next time forty. Yeah. So blow up the galaxy. Blow it Multiple up. Multiple dimension. Let's do it. Yeah. Oh, that's what they that's what they did with Warhammer Fantasy. They were like Blow it up. Do- all of it's dead. Age of Sigma. Like, what? And, Why? And and the thing is, with with our game with Star Trek, we were just honestly just having a goof, having having good old fun, go, a goofy good time. Old, they're they're yeah. just not. Yeah, they're a self parody. Yeah, unintentional. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. So next up, regarding MMOs of the Asian variety, what is the group's thoughts on that genre of MMO like Blade and Soul, Terra Online, and Black Desert? Also, would free-to-play MMOs with cosmetic gear be a good way to provide a chunk of profit for said game services? Also, techs love your stuff, but I'd love a Jihad battle tech video sometime. Ooh. I joined during Mech Assault and stuck with the lore. <laughs> Sincerely, Vega. Uh, if I do a Jihad battle tech video, you may not like it. Um, and Because I'm going to either break character and explain why the Jihad is dumb, or I'm going to very carefully tell it from my perspective, which would technically be a retcon. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I, I, I'm I'm behind that. Anyway. We're not we're not playing ball with that either way. Is the bottom line here? Yeah, we, we might play ball, but you won't recognize the game. Yep. Womp, womp. Um, no, they might appreciate that. They they might because everyone yeah. has a point of view on history. Uh, no, but. and it, it sounds like you know that's it. It honestly, the jihad has a very uh, kind of JRPG approach to bad guyism, where yes. it's very Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, and I think that a lot of the Asian MMOs have that kind of same feel to them. So the most of them, not all of them. Another instance of what we were just talking about with Warhammer 40K, I think. Yeah. You have all these different factions and all these different things that are coming to a head, and I think they did try and go somewhere new with it. 
but it maybe just did not quite work out as they had intended because now we've wound up in this like dark age thing where the HPG network is shut down mysteriously. and They're getting into a really weird place. Yeah. And it, they wrote themselves into a corner. But what I like about Battletech is you can read and play any era you want. It's yeah. not like 40K where you have to take the newest, latest everything or go fuck yourself. Well, and I also uh, appreciate that they try to do something innovative with like the Republic of the Sphere and trying to like, you know, push the genre into something new even if it wasn't wildly successful i i respect that they tried that and they still do publish stuff for earlier eras mm-hmm. so it's not like oh the old era is dead long live the new era give us money you know it's, <laughs> it's it's actually it's actually well done um as far as asian mmos go if yeah. you're having a great time with it you can do this with any mmo Asian or not. I've never played an Asian MMO. You probably have and didn't realize they were. What name one? Uh, Star Trek Online. That's owned by NCSoft? China. China. China? Yeah, but who made it? Originally, it was uh, the guys who made uh, Heroes. Yeah, yeah, uh, whatever. Hero, yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget the name. They're they're because yeah, they, they're heroes. They City don't of exist very much anymore. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's not really an Asian. Was it MMO. cryptic? Cryptic. Yes. Yeah, cryptic. So, yeah, I mean, that would be the only one I think I ever played. Yeah, Black it, Desert is... Never played that. It, it's Yeah, I've never played it either. It's It looks really nice. I My issue with those kinds of games is that it's a, it's a fill a bar, get experience, okay. then move to the next thing, but, get some loot, well, we did fill a, a bar. Whole, we did a Cosmetic, 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 yeah. yeah. We did a whole episode on MMOs. Yeah. I've said my piece on them. So, I, I'm, yeah, and for agree. me, with those games, I have to have fun with them, and it, it usually has nothing to do with the conventions that the game had set forth. It's usually something I'm like, I'm going to try to get on top of this castle and jump and go, oh, well, there's monsters in a dungeon. I'm like, dude, I've played 50 games that have monsters and dungeons. Show me a different dungeon. Don't, don't care. Yeah, I'm going to try to get on top of this castle because it's a free-to-play game, and I'm not spending a dollar on this, so that's what I'm going to do. I've tried to find my, find my fun with friends if i'm going to be playing those kinds of games i think if you want to play uh i'm i'm always going to put my my hat behind this but if you want to play a very successful asian mmo play final fantasy online because i think they knocked it out of the park personally but that's just my opinion i know that a lot of people don't agree with that that's fine there you go all right so we've got We've got so many more questions. We're not going to get through all of them. So yeah. please, please, please be do do bear with. We are working through these. But um, next up. 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Next up, we're going to do two more questions. And I think we'll, that'll end us out. Okay. So to Tex and the rest of the BPL crew, I just wanted to say thanks for all the good content. As the world has been going to hell and many people are finding themselves out of work, I have found myself working long days, sometimes up to 14 hours, I know how that goes, bringing packages to people's doors. In this madness, I've been slowly losing my mind, and between the podcasts and all the other good content to listen to, it has been helping me stave off the insanity. Thanks for all the work you've put into your content. Keep being awesome. Not really a question, but thank you. But thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. And thank I, you good for luck delivering out there. packages. Thank yeah. you for doing the job of delivering packages. Thank you for doing a good deed. Because yeah. doing a job well, especially a job now that we all so depend upon, is 
kind of important right now. So, hey, so if, you're like the you're like the courier out in the wastes in Fallout New Vegas. Yeah, you're, you're you're the guy out there. Yeah, yeah. get a gas man. mask, man. Make make it official. Yeah, get a gas mask and the big iron. Start listening to fifties radio. Text can tell you how to build a NCR scout rifle. <laughs> all I, all I Allegedly, I, that's hey, not real for legal reasons. That's a joke. For legal reasons, that is a joke. <laughs> hey, if you're that parcel guy who's putting the packages uh, outside where it won't get rained on and you're not kicking them to my door that's fucking sweet man yeah okay listen guy out there i'm just gonna tell you this right now go out get all the fallout new vegas soundtrack on your ipod whatever do they still make those you can put it on your phone okay phone yeah. spotify spotify put, yeah. Spotify. Yeah, yeah. put it all on there and just pretend to be the courier i think you will find a little bit more pleasure with your job and remember you're out there working you're keeping people safe and keeping them from going to the store and acting like, you know, Cro-Magnon idiots. So you're doing a good deed. Yes. Yeah. So next one. Hi there, BPL. Not really a question. Just wanted. Nah, I have a question. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, pretty good. <laughs> Mr. Mike is a fellow fan of 90s click adventures. What do you think would happen with a reboot of King's Quest franchise? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what would happen with it. They tried that, actually. Um, they tried to go with the... Uh, the problem yeah. is that, no, they tried to do that um, through the... Uh, the Telltale Studios oh, did yeah. King's Quest 1 and it didn't do too well. Spoiler uh -oh. alert. Yeah, Telltale suck though. Telltale games can't tell a fucking story. Yeah. People are like, <laughs> well, The Wolf Among Us and the first season of Walking Dead. I'm like, the only two they actually did well. Wow. Out of the how many did they make? It's like a comic oh, book God. read to you against your will. And I also I have to say like I like the I like those two they're fine the other ones that I've played I was like you've got to be shitting me I want a refund this is absolutely a, a, this is obnoxious I, I I find Telltale games especially like Tales from the Borderlands people are like oh the writing's really good oh in those God. no there's one good joke every hour yeah and it's a really funny joke. And so the problem with those games, and this is why they did not do well, is it's like going to see Eddie Izzard live. There is one funny bit every hour, and the yeah. rest of it is just blah, 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 noise. I'm sorry if you're Eddie Izzard fans out there. There's funny fucking bits. They're all on YouTube. They're all smashed together. They're all really, really funny. But the transition from joke to joke is where I think you get yeah. lost. Well, I, I know. It, it's... <laughs> In, it, his in transitions his are so like weird. In, in music, this is called Wagnerian, where you have a good bits and bad hours. Yep. You know, yeah. and it's great because everyone remembers, oh man, I love Wagner. I'm like, no, you like Lohengrin, some parts, you like Right of the Valkyries. And they're like, yeah, I love Right of the Valkyries. I'm like, great, what opera is that from? Name me one other song from that. You can't. No one can. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, um, I, yeah. And that's that's absolutely true. I, uh, uh, I, I here's the reason that I don't like don't tell a tale games is because yeah. they built and mm, I hate episodic games. I hate them. I hate them. Half Life Episode One and Two. I hate. And I Release never them all at once if you're going to yeah, make episodic. Thank you. Because it's more fun that way. And where they, it's like last time on King's Quest. Well, and that's why I don't think Telltale ever went well with after like two games because they were like, oh well, let's make a game and then split it up into three parts. And you know what that makes for? First part of the game that may or may not be really engaging. And then it ends and you stop giving a fuck between then and the next time and the. the a year later, we out. made another... And the problem is... Hey, guys, did you want to see it? 
Yeah, no, I was going to say the problem also is that they give you the illusion of having a choice in the way they change the story. And I hate that so much because it's like, do this or do that or this person hates you now. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck because what's going to happen at the end? The same fucking thing. Yeah, man, that's weird. It's almost like if you took all We made games. six endings for, for Game of Thrones. Who gives a fuck? It still ends poorly. <laughs> so, so... All six poor, like you can end a game poorly six times. That's like Do you an want lukewarm porridge or lukewarm porridge with ants. My my friend, uh, one of my friends called that uh, instead of game of uh, Game of Thrones, Game of Friends. He was like, you can't fight anybody, you just die. So, um, I, so, I, so for King's Quest, if they yeah. were to remake it, I would say you'd have to remake King's Quest one through seven. Um, you can do Mask of Eternity if you really fucking want to. If you really want to redo Mask of Eternity, and I know that's supposed to be canon, go right the hell ahead, figure that one out. I don't know how you're going to do it. But if you do one through seven, um, I would stick with rotoscoped uh, VGA-style graphics. So I'm not talking about um, people who are just sort of like drawn in. I mean, you rotoscope VGA graphics like they did for King's Quest Six, and you redo every single game. I think AGD... Uh, uh, anonymous game developers interactive they recreated king's quest one two and three so if you want to go play those games they've been recreated in vga with point click and everything but if you're going to release all of them do that with a completely remastered soundtrack by i believe siebert still he's still with us i think you could probably call him up and say hey can you remaster the soundtrack yeah Uh, video games yeah just have them have everybody uh (laughs) Redo the soundtrack, uh, remaster all of that, uh, get uh, professional voice actors to consistently do every single game, um, and release them all at once. Call it the King's Quest Collection. End of st- that's all you'd have to do. So, so he, he says, Hair Today, Gone Tomorrow is one of the funniest and some of my favorite moments it's the best one. as a kid. In did my you, opinion. Did you ever think of Dracula Unleashed, I believe, 93, 94, for an episode of The Courtesy Fly? I have been. I, it's funny because I didn't think anybody else Uh-oh. knew about that one. Uh, I am looking forward to that. And and he says, thank you for the great MMO content lately. I didn't know there were pockets of Star Wars Galaxy. Oh, yeah. Star Wars Galaxy is, is still out there. Oh, yeah. Um, thank you for everything. Scrambles 2020. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sincerely layered. I, let, let's do one more. Okay. One more. And I, I'm going to take one from the middle because we have so fucking many. Yeah. A question for the Video Games Podcast. I think graphics escalation has been negative for games in many ways. Yeah. Pretty pixels get prioritized over gameplay. Buggy engines like Unity get forced on companies like HBS since they need a on a budget graphics upgrade. Your thoughts? Um, I I agree. I do. I like graphical fidelity increases. I I like them. I think there are certain genres where it makes sense. So, for instance, um, really excited for Cyberpunk twenty twenty or twenty seventy seven. And I think graphical fidelity is important there because the change in your character's appearance secondary to cybernetic modification is important. Mm-hmm. And it's a, that's a big part of that, um, of that universe. But there's also this, uh, it was an article on PC gamer with one of the new unreal engines or something came out recently. And, uh, the journalist was writing and they were going through this, you know, demo of what this new engine could do and the the technician on the demo was like yeah there's uh like ultra parallaxed rocks or whatever and he's like i mean that's cool 
that's you know that's neat technology, but like why? Well, what does that contribute to gameplay? I love how does right at a certain point how does higher graphical fidelity impact the actual gameplay? Because Dwarf Fortress shows that you can have a fantastic fucking game with quite literally no graphics. Right. And in in one of the things that I will tell people is if they think graphics are important to games, I will I can take anyone who's a snob for games, anyone, and I can lock them in a room with Minecraft. Yeah. And I can put them in there. And they'll, they'll, and they'll play it for the next 3 days. Yeah. The, you'll come back and they'll be like fucking Robin Williams out of Jumanji like, "What year is it?" Yeah. And and yeah. that's and they'd be like, "Hey, check out this rail system I built." Or, yeah. "Hey, hey, check out my advent. Look what I found." It graphics mean nothing if the rest of the game is vacant nonsense. Well, it depends on the focus as well. So like Hunter Call of the Wild Part of the game is the splendor of being outdoors. And they do a good job with that. Yes. So so graphical fidelity is, of course, important to replicating that feeling, to make you want to like, oh, man, is this really what like Yosemite Park looks like? like yeah, it makes you want to go to these go places. There. Yeah. This looks beautiful. No, I, I think with uh, that game Hardship Breakers. Oh, yeah. Hard Space. Hard ship Space. Breakers. Hard, hard, hard Ship Breakers. Hard, 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 hard Break Ship Spacers. Yeah. Hard Hardship Space Breakers. I think uh, increasing graphical fidelity is good for that game because it allows you to differentiate the different dangers that you might be dealing with on the ship. Well, that's true. But I mean, look at you don't have to make it like super intense, just like different different colors and different kinds of effects. Look at RPGs. Like we've we've yammered about Fallout, especially three and four, where people are like, "Oh, well, is a shooter?" It's no, it's not. Go (laughs) go load that up right now, unmodded. As it was, uh, I sit through dialogue and conversations, and you terrible. would go, ooh, garbo. You know, you know what I would love to see with Fallout 4? Oh. Completely redone in the Wolfenstein, the New Order engine. Yeah. So you you have these twitch action shooter controls, so you're just like running down the thing with two like shotguns. Why not? Oh, hell yeah. And you blow people apart without I, no I, vats, none of that shit. It's just literally like... I thought I thought you were gonna say Wolfenstein 3D controls, where it's it's like you <laughs> oh, talk to yes, the guy and he's better. like you talk to the guy and he's like, yes, we need to get the water chip, but the vault is doomed. And then he like turns sideways and you can't see him because he's <laughs> just a single line. Or, or you or you like try and walk around him, but it's like Duke Nukem, like when you kill an alien and then you side you circle straight around the alien, but even though it's dead, it's always facing you. Yes. It's, it's, or the, or Doom, yeah. like just yeah. take that that Doom kind of like if, 2016. If you, there was a hilarious moment in a game that was it was trying to lampoon the game industry and it was kind of buggy and it was not done very well. But it's called Matt Hazard. Um, oh yeah. yeah. Oh there, god, that was, was a, so funny. That game, even though it was buggy as shit, the gameplay was not that great. It was Max Hazard, wasn't it? I I don't remember. I think it was Max Hazard. But it was so fucking funny because at one part. You play as this Duke nu- Nukemish uh, character, yeah. who, who's who's really just. He's he's a character that's constantly been yeah he's and he's been thrown in a hundred games over the past twenty years yeah and so you have to fight the bad guys from a much older game and they're the two they're the two D bad guys and so to dodge bullets they turn sideways and you can't see them (laughs) and it's so fucking funny when that first happens or there at one point you have to fight a Japanese uh, villain from a Japanese RPG. 
So when he attacks you, it's turn-based, and you can see his attack menu at the bottom, and he's telegraphing his attacks, where you see him selecting his spells to hit you. Oh. But when you have the dialogue, it's this huge, long, expository dialogue with ellipses at the end, and you're like, what's with the fucking ellipses? And you have to hit it to get him to talk. <laughs> and, and like, I, I would It's wish- called Eat Lead, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, would- I looked it up really quick. No, that's, that's a game that's really funny, because it does- make fun of the game industry and I, I can see why people hated that game because they're like this isn't funny it's like yeah it made fun of everything yeah I um, think I know how to fix Fallout 4 you remake it in the uh, Doom the rebooted Doom engine and that way when you meet your son you just like punch him through the chest and tear his spine out <laughs> and then metal music starts playing and you just yeah yeah rip and tear what I would do <laughs> yeah I, if, if I, I was, it would be so much fun to just run around the wasteland with the ability to shoot like you're the doom guy I okay I know what I would do I know what I would do if I was going to do a follow-up for and and keep it lore friendly but all because I'm a huge lore hound I, yeah, yeah yeah I make videos on it um but if I was going to do it and have it be lore friendly with fallout 4 and I I really wanted to make it everything it could be I would say it would be an action movie of a game. It would still have specials, still have all the stats, but you would be in a bunker somewhere and an AI would wake you up and you're an enclave agent. And it was like <laughs> the federal government has fallen. The land is occupied by Chinese agents. You must save the United States of America. And so your mission is to go in and in the AI sees all of the people out there in the wasteland. It's like, these are infiltrators and Chinese agents. So your mission is to go out into the wasteland is this super agent to recover all of the pieces that are important to America. You have to go get the constitution. You have to go get all of these artifacts and secure them. And you in it in the AI keeps giving you mission updates that are just insane. It's like I, you know what I think. I think yeah. I can throw. A, I think I can throw a very Fallout esque twist on this. During character creation, the person you make is the person who like hid in this preservation chamber instead of the super agent that was supposed to go in there, which oh. explains why you like you have no skills starting out. You're like the fucking janitor. Yeah. And the AI is like, all right, Asian, co- who the fucker? God damn it. <laughs> no. All right. Well, I guess no, you're no, it, I no. guess. Oh, man. So it shows you going to the bunker right before the war. And it's like, here is your ass- assignment. You have to like sweep the floor. And they're like, return to the chamber for standard sleeping protocol. And so you go to the chamber and they're like, a fuck up happens. A glitch happens when they like imprint your ID on your arm or whatever. <laughs> and it's, it's like error agent. So-and-so and you're like, no, that's not me. And it's like, Shh. yeah. <laughs> and then you wake up, everyone else is dead. And it's like the Chinese have invaded the United States. And you're like, Oh my God. It's like idiocracy. Like. Exactly. <laughs> it, it just, it repeats and it just repeats catchphrases of like, these are Chinese agents attacking the United States. I would get Alex Jones to be the AI. Oh my God. That would be, I don't like Alex Jones. No, but that but, would be so fucking funny. No, I would just turn him on and have him record stuff. And I'd say the AI has gone insane for 300 years of waiting. And it's just like, no, you don't understand. And then it just escalates. Once you destroy the Brotherhood of Steel, which it thinks are Chinese agents, it's like, oh man, the aliens have come down. <laughs> and, you, and it's like ghouls that sees them as aliens and you have to go fight them, you know? Hey, so. smooth skin. 
they, they wear the skin of the innocent, you know, and, and they're demons. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. So, oh man, that, that would be my spin on it. Anyways, um, these mole is, rats, he's like, the water's turning the moles gay. Exactly. <laughs> they're done with the frogs. So anyways, thank you guys for joining us for a BPL podcast. Remember, uh, stay safe out there. Times are fucky. But hey, if you've listened to it this far, the world ain't in it yet. But let's not think about that. No. There's still time left in the year. (laughs) Look, I just want to live long enough to watch Die Hard on Christmas, okay? Yes. There you go. The best tradition. Amen. It's not Christmas until Hans Gruber falls off Nakatomi Plaza. Correct.